Welcome to the WP Tonic This Week in WordPress and SaaS podcast, where Jonathan Denwood interviews the leading experts in WordPress, e-learning, and online marketing to help WordPress professionals launch their own SaaS. Welcome back, folks, to the WP Tonic Show This Week in WordPress and SaaS. I've got a, a friend, a special guest. I've got Kirk back with us. Um, we're going to be discussing Kirk's experiences of going to a first WordCamp USA, and he's been more active in the WordPress community. I just want to get his impressions about the community. Um, we're also going to discuss anything else about WordPress that comes up in the interview. It should be a great interview. Um, we're going to be back in a few moments. I've got a few messages from our major sponsors. We'll be back in a minute. Are you looking for ways to make your content more engaging? Sensei LMS by Automatic is the original WordPress solution for creating and selling online courses. Sensei's new interactive blocks can be added to any WordPress page or post. For example, interactive videos let you pause videos and display quizzes, lead generation forms, surveys, and more. For a 20% off discount for the tribe, just use the code WPTONIC, all one word, when checking out and give Sensei a try today. The importance of backing up your WordPress website cannot be emphasized enough. We use BlogVault to help us do this on a daily basis. With free staging, migrations, and on the pro plans, malware scanning and auto fix, BlogVault is the professional's choice when managing just one website or many. Go to blogvault.com and see for yourself. You seriously won't find a better, more complete solution. That's blogvault.com, blogvault.com. We're coming back. I just want to point out that we've got some special deals. And if you're looking for a specific recommendation around a WordPress plugin or SaaS service, We've got a long list of products that we personally recommend and give you a quick review. Um, to get all these goodies and special offers, all you have to do is go over to WP Tonic Offer Deals, WP Tonic slash Deals, and you can get all those goodies there. Plus, you can sign up for the WP Tonic newsletter that goes out every Sunday that has a, a great, all the latest WordPress and tech stories, plus a couple editorials from me. So, Kirk, would you like to quickly give an introduction about yourself, about your background, and about how you got involved in WordPress? Jonathan, my journey with WordPress started a lot further back than I realized it had. I recently joined a Facebook group, and they and one of the questions was, when when did you join the fake, the the WordPress community? You had to go to WordPress.org or .com and look up your username, and it said 2004, and I was like, holy crap, I'm old. Um, but I, I started out with uh, Macromedia 2004, the suite back back then, and I at first was doing HTML websites through Dreamweaver, fireworks mm -hmm. and all that. And then of course Adobe got in the mix and, and bought that out. Um, and I've done Joomla and Drupal and uh, live site with Camelback and WordPress. And uh, I ended up just finding the simplicity and the flexibility of WordPress to be really attractive. And I started focusing more and more on that. So you've got a background in corporate education and, and training in general um, with emphasis on the motor auto 
motor auto industry. Is that correct, Kirk? Yeah, I used to be the, uh, the, the North American training manager for Ducati, North America. So that was Canada, United States, and Mexico. And then when I left Ducati, I went to Suzuki. Suzuki is a much bigger company. So I, I worked as the uh, technical training and publications manager for them. And that was automotive, uh, motorcycle, and marine. And so it was really cool to work in those industries, but also to get exposure to how corporate folks think about e-learning and what they're willing to spend for it. And that's when I realized, you know, really hit hard that, that WordPress was a fantastic option. Right, that's great. So let's go forth. Um, so just look at my questions. Um, so you attended, because I attended it, um, you attended WordCamp USA, which was a, a slightly odd affair because because of COVID, they limited the tickets to slightly under 700 and normally over 3,000 people attended, which in some ways was a bit odd, but it also made it a slightly more intimate um, WordCamp USA. And it was based around uh, a kind of suave, suave-ish, well, they're trying to make it um, hotel. What was... So it was like a three-day event. It was your first U.S. WordCamp. What was your general impressions about the whole thing, Kurt? Well, first off, I went as a guest of Lifter LMS, and so those guys spoiled the crud out of me and made it so much fun, and they were so good at introducing me and so gracious at sharing their network with me that it was an unbelievable event for me. But if I were to look at it from the average person attending, you know, um, it really did seem to be like the inner circle of the kids club, you know, because because there wasn't a lot of of extra people there, at least in my opinion. And this was my first word camp. So but I'd gotten feedback from other people at the post event beers and, and, and hors d'oeuvres and stuff like that. And it really did seem like, you know, here's the folks from Bluehost. Here's the folks from from this hosting company or that hosting company or and, and you know, I got some really cool socks and, and hats and stuff for swag. But um, it was it was interesting to just kind of dive in, dive in at the deep end and meet all the people that run these different programs and tools that I use. Yeah, it definitely, it definitely had the feel, in my opinion, of a trade show. Would you agree with that? Mm. Well, yeah, and not for nothing, I didn't think of it as anything other than a trade show because I didn't have anything else to compare it to, and so it felt it did feel like like a. Those in the power sports industry, if you went to AIM Expo or if you went to the motorcycle, um, the International Motorcycle Show, uh, it felt like that without the fans. It felt like it was it was just the dealerships and distributors that got together, not the people that ride motorcycles. And I and this WordCamp to me was like, it's the people that make WordPress and make product, but I didn't see a lot of end users or, you know, content creators walking around. Mm. Um, yeah, like I say, it's... It... Um, like I attended WordCamp Europe, and that had a slightly under three thousand people. So it's always a kind of mixture of a trade show um, industry in a crowd with a, a lot of developer outside or just general users. Obviously, going to something like WordCamp US or WordCamp Europe, it tends to be a slightly more industry crowd because you've got the cost of the flight 
going to Portugal or flying down to Southern California, um, where the regional word camps you do. So have you been to any regional word camps? No, no. The the word camp experience was so positive for me, though, that I started to attend some of my local regional WordPress meetups. And, uh, you know, I've been in the WordPress community forever, right? But then I thought, well, it's a community. I should probably get out of my shell and meet some of these folks. And so I've been hitting up a couple of the meetups in the area. So I did the Riverside one and the Orange County one here in Southern California. Yeah. The Orange County has traditionally had a very large word um, press um, meetup and word camp. You know, I have attended the Orange County word camp um, a couple of times over the years. It has a it it's a smaller one compared to the LA um, word camp, but it's got a very strong industry feel to it because you get a lot of it seems that there's there's a lot of the industries um plug-in developers and uh, there that attend that so what's been your impressions about going are these virtual or they've been physical these meetups the orange county one was virtual and um yeah, I've only attended once so far because, you know, that's the, the way the timing worked. But, um, the, you know, they had some obstacles with the Zoom and the Zoom bombing. And you know how what it's like. You start getting spammed inside your meeting. And that was a distraction. But once they got once they got through getting rid of the Zoom bombers, they were able to break out into questions and, and help other folks. And, and that's the cool part is when you're part of the solution and you get to, you know, work with peers or problem solve with people, it's really pretty rewarding. So I'm amazed. So you actually had some bombers trying to get into it and disrupt it a little bit, were they? That's been happening on a lot of things for me lately, Jonathan. I don't know how people. I don't. I don't see how people get paid doing it. It's got to be just boredom at home. I don't know, but it's happened on the Lifter LMS presales call last week, and then it happened with. Um, it happened with this. You know, you post that link somewhere in a public calendar. People mm-hmm. jump in and do crazy things, and you're like, "I'm trying, I'm trying to do business here," but uh, it doesn't seem to have a, it doesn't seem to have an end in in mind when they do it. You know, it's just disrupt, it's just disruptive. So, um, did you did you notice any kind of peculiarities? Nothing too bad, but you know, every community, in my opinion, has a slight cultural difference and um was there anything you noticed about WordCamp US the way people were the way it was running that you found slightly different to attending other trade shows and being involved in auto communities well I'll just go out on a limb and at the risk of ruffling feathers Jonathan the never, I would, I would never, I would never do that, would I? You know, the, the automotive industry was an essential business during COVID. The motorcycle industry was an essential business during COVID, and so when Las Vegas opened back up and people could do a convention, you know, and they said, "Oh, masks are required," you know, to enter our building, nobody cared. You know, everybody walked in, hugs and handshakes and high fives, and people were so happy to be back networking again. It was like a business as usual situation. Um, 
the word camp kind of took me aside because that was after all the automotive meetings. Right. And so, you know, even after they had said there's no mask mandates in the city and there's no mask mandates here or there, it was still a thing at the word camp. And, um, and then I noticed that there were people within that community that were super sensitive to the idea of masking and social distancing. I noticed they didn't always have that same sensitivity at the after party, but during the event, they sure did. And, um, and, and that was something where, you know, mentally I just picked up those cues and I, and it reminds me, Jonathan, that as, as we interact within our world, we are, we never really understand the sensitivities of someone else that we're interacting with, you know? And so uh, well, in WordPress, in WordPress, they make it very, very clear. They're experts at making it clear that you've upset them. Um, um, and obviously uh, I'm not a psychopath, I don't, and I'm, I'm sure you're not. I'm not sure if you would agree that I'm not. Uh, um, but um, <laughs> um, I don't go out of my way to upset people, so it's a balance. Um, but it's not it's not hard to upset people in the WordPress community. Um, so um, yeah, because because I noticed that um, because in WordPress Europe they didn't really enforce it, and they got a lot. Of, they got from a certain group in the WordPress community. They got a lot of grief and criticism, negative criticism for yeah. that which I felt was, I just had a kind of oscillating feeling about the whole thing because I thought WordPress Europe was, you know, it was in Portugal. It was um, it, it was a great event. It was, you know, it was the first major event for over two, two years. They almost got 3,000 people. And it uh, Porto was a lovely city. The Portuguese yeah, were very yeah. welcoming. The whole thing had a good buzz. I think everybody was enjoying themselves. And then you had a lot of online criticism from people that didn't attend or had attended that were upset that they didn't enforce the mass restrictions um, and that kind of put a little bit of downer on a, a event. But that's WordPress for you. Um, it has a tendency to shoot itself in its foot. Uh, and you could say I'm one of the trolls about that. So um, apart from that, um, what did you think of the setting and the hotel and the whole way it was organised? Any observations? You know, outside of the mask mandates and the people walking around reminding you to put your mask on, uh, I thought I thought the facility was uh, fantastic. Now, I stayed at an Airbnb offsite. I didn't stay at the hotel. I, d- I did. Yeah. And um, so I don't know anything about the rooms or the accommodations or the house cleaning or none of that. And I didn't really care about the pool because I was there for the event. Um, I thought the event was was I thought the room was the right size. Um, for the amount of vendors and the amount of participation yeah. and the amount of traffic, I thought that the room itself and, and the and the speaking rooms, I thought they were well appointed, proper sized, and and I thought as far as being an like from an event planner's perspective, I thought that went off really really well. You know, I now like- without the Lifter LMS team introducing you to people, and if you had gone there. As, as yourself as a vendor, maybe as an independent website builder in the le- e-learning learning area, mm-hmm. how do you think you would have found it? 
see, that puts me on a, I do this a lot, right? Try like, what are other people's shoes like? I always try and think about that. What's it like yeah. for the other person? Um, I, cause I really try to recognize the blessings I'm given through life. And if I had to go in there unescorted as myself without a team behind me, I think there would have been a little bit of a challenge, yeah. you know, um, there was something going on on the other side of the room from us around the around the gravity forms booth. And, and this is not a poke at gravity forms. There was some kind of prize or some kind of drawing they were doing. There was a bunch of people around, you know, and it was very, very obvious that the people in that click and that group all knew each other. You know what I mean? It was obvious that it was a it was a group of, of those people. And if I didn't have the strength of lifter behind me to introduce me to all those folks, I never would have gotten to know any of them. Yeah, to wrap it up, because there's been discussion that if you're a person from a minority, if you're from a minority group, if you're a disabled individual, I've always thought that WordPress was pretty open. Um, and, you know, because of the price point, you know, normally... It costs about $40 to attend. It's highly subsidized <coughs> by the hosting or other major players in the WordPress space, um, which keeps the ticket price down to a very low level, which is good and bad, in my opinion. Um, but I've actually been thinking about it, and I do think there's a need for some fundamental changes because it... it and it doesn't, I'm not attacking WordPress in general. I would imagine this applies to all such a type of events. They do become very clicky. And unless you've got structures and mythologies to attempt to overcome that to new people and people from minorities, they it can become because you've got to try and put yourself in their shoes, which isn't easy. And you can dismiss what they're saying and I do think there's some different things that need I don't unfortunately have how that could be done I, uh, I think there probably are some apologies that could be adopted that could help out with that um, we're going to go for our break when we come back I'm going to be asking Kirk about corporate training and um, his experience and the attitudes that corporations have around training and how they regard it. Um, we'll be back in a few moments, folks. Hey, it's Spence from LaunchFlows.com. If you've been looking for a fast and easy way to create powerful sales funnels on WordPress, then look no further than LaunchFlows. In just minutes, you can easily create instant registration, upsells, downsells, order bumps, one-click checkouts, one-time offers, custom thank you pages, and best of all, no coding is required. For as little as $50 per year, you can own and control your entire sales funnel machine with Launch Flows. Get your copy today. This podcast episode is brought to you by Lifter LMS, the leading learning management system solution for WordPress. If you or your client are creating any kind of online course, training-based membership website, or any type of e-learning project, Lifter LMS is the most secure, stable, well-supported solution on the market. Go to lifterlms.com and save 20% at checkout with coupon code 
podcast 20. That's podcast two zero. Enjoy the rest of your show. We're coming back, folks. We've had a discussion with Kirk um, about his experiences WordCamp and that. I just want to point out, if you want to really support the show, the best way is to subscribe to iTunes, subscribe to the WP Tonic YouTube channel. That really, really helps if you subscribe. It's a major signal to um, Google and YouTube if you do that. And also listen to Ayala podcast, the Membership Machine Show um, with my co-host Spencer Forum. It's a great new show. We're getting a lot of interest in it. Um, that would be great. So, Kirk, let's talk about your experiences about the corporate world and training. So, uh, big question, but um, how does the corporate world view online training, you know, in training in general? I was going to say you were you were you were starting to take that question down down a road that would be fun to answer, and that's they don't. Um, training's the last thing on corporations' minds. The, they say they say it's important until it's time to write the check or to hire somebody or to buy some some equipment, and then of course it comes down to well we got to make cuts or we have to watch the budget or you know sales are up this quarter, sales are down next quarter. We got to we got to be careful. Um, most of what I saw was horrific overspending and poor planning um and and it's because they it's like they wait too long to start their training initiative it becomes an emergency so then they contract somebody out right that overcharges them for curriculum development and stuff like that and then i mean jonathan i i don't want to give out names but i've worked with companies that have spent a half million dollars a year on just hosting an lms and they still have an internal department that's making content you know, it's um. so the corporate world, I'd love to crack that nut open a little bit better as a freelancer and, a, and as a as an agency myself and figure out how do we how could I possibly convince them that their proprietary learning platforms are junk and it takes too much work and it's too much maintenance and it's too many hands in the pot when there's when there's right now. Technology's come so far in the last decade. I mean, it's so easy to, I shouldn't say it's so easy because then I take away my own sale, right? But it's easy to make an LMS to, to have a site. You just have to worry about content and user experience and and getting people through the through the product, you know? Yeah, I always felt, um, I just want to confirm if I'm on the right track. I always thought training on a, when it came to corporations was the Cinderella, and, it, and it's really in the middle. And what I mean by the middle is when things are going well, sales, the sales team are producing the internal team that that supports the sales, support is driven by sales. When things are going well, well, we don't have to bother with training because things are going, we can't meet the, de- we can't meet the demand now. So why should we invest any money in training and then when times get tough um the business is still making really good money by the way but um you know um but you know the 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 market's got a little bit less hot put it that way oh we got to cut back because we got you know profitability's declined a bit and we're going to cut the training because it's not essential so I always felt training um, 
was a little bit in the middle. What What's your thoughts about that? Um, I'm more pessimistic than you are, Jonathan. Um, almost, almost on purpose. So let's say that a company is making a new widget, right? And everyone that sells this widget in the country is going to have to have some kind of training on product, like some kind of product training, some kind of technical training, some kind of something. The training team, you would think, because common sense would tell you the training team would be working with engineering and development and production to be able to understand how this product was built. And, well, and just, how, just a slight yeah. hope. Just a slight yeah. hope that it would how, be the fact. How it's supposed to work when it's working well. And then if this product fails to operate as designed, what's the critical thinking methods to figure out why the product failed? Jonathan, that's not even close to reality. Reality is... They purposefully tell sales about the product so they can start pre-selling it, right? And everyone's pre-selling off of a off of a sheet of some kind, you know, a one pager. And the product can sometimes be developed, manufactured, packaged, and on a boat to America before the training department even gets official notice that the product's coming. Um this has happened to me with, with simple products, but it's also happened to me with very, very intricate high-performance products. And you're, as the training manager, you're like, you're begging people. Can I have an image of it? Can I have a picture of it? Can I, do we know what the engine's going to look like? Do we, like, and magazines, you know, the, the media is getting media packages that have details about the product, but the training department doesn't get the product. And so... You can be two, three weeks away from a major product launch and as the training manager, still not know as much as the editor of a magazine that got a, a, a tech package from the sales department. Is, you that, know? is that really, um, is that linked based on your experience that the PR, the marketing department, is totally separate from the training, um, yeah. which te- does it tend to be under HR supervision where the marketing is a totally separate department and then sales is in the middle of HR and and PR and marketing. Is that yeah. – am I on the right track? You're on the right track in, in so many ways. <laughs> Pardon me. But there's, there's the other thing. I hate to say it comes down to trust, Jonathan, but I really do think a lot of it comes down to trust. If – if the company really trusted the training manager and really trusted people that make training content, they would have them in the mix the whole time so that you could launch prepared. But typically what happens is you launch a minimal viable product for training. And then six months or a year later, you have to update that training and then mandate that people take the update. So that's typically how that works. And I think it's the silos, like you mentioned. So there's, there's marketing, there's sales, there's product development, there's research, research development and product development. They treat everything they do like it's top secret, like you're working in the Pentagon and they're afraid that you're going to leak all their secrets out to the rest of the world. And, you know, when you make training product, you're basically leaking what the development was. Um, The other side of training at the corporate level is stemmed from what I just said. Technicians in the field need to understand how things are made so they can make repairs or they can, you know, affect positive results from training. But a lot of times product development and, um, and, uh, you know, engineering, they'll, they'll believe or perceive that what they built somehow is proprietary knowledge, but it's not like 
they'll take three common things, bolt them all together and say it's proprietary. And it's like, that's not really proprietary. You got three common things bolted together. I just need to know why they're bolted together and how it works as a unit, you know? So from the corporate world, building training can be very um, complicated, but also very frustrating because of the internal politics. Yeah, um, would you agree that I think when, if, it, if training is under the orbit of HR, that I think HR, based on my experience, is, is a bit of the Cinderella department of most corporate um, um, hierarchy. It, it really is a very underfunded, minimalistic, and the real drivers are marketing, and, and the real driver is the sales department, basically. Would you agree with that? Yeah. yeah. Uh, every every technically driven company I've worked for really did focus on sales first and everything else after. And HR is always a struggle. So you can go to an HR department in the corporate world and say, I've got this great platform. We can onboard your employees, this new remote working thing. You know, we can help you make, you know, personal branded training for your company. And realistically, their company has given them a very limited budget and everyone gets a subscription to lynda.com or, you know, LinkedIn learning. Right. And so it's, um, yeah, there, there are some challenges in the corporate world, but that leads me to small and medium sized companies that will actually make the investment and understand that when you train staff for a small to medium company, you're saving them the expense or saving them the, the money of having to train people the hard way. So it's well, also, yeah, also I've, I feel, and I've written a piece and uh, published it on LinkedIn and that, is that I, I really see the, the most effective marketing and sales, or you know, marketing and sales, Linking those two departments so they actually work together more effectively is a, is a bit of a nightmare in itself. But um, producing e-learning or learning, I call it learning marketing, um, producing materials that educate, because I think the consumer, because of YouTube, because of the internet, does a lot more pre-research and identifying the products and services that they're going to contact um, uh, much more than just ringing up somebody and not really still can happen. But I think most consumers are, are doing a lot more research before they actually contact a particular vendor. What's your thoughts about that, Kirk? Well, in the power sports field and automotive, that, that couldn't be more true. Um, especially with the supply demand issues we've seen in the last two years, because selling now isn't selling. You're just order taking and customers are showing up having done the research through, you know, the OEM's website and they understand what's the horsepower, what are the features? Does this, you know, for a motorcycle, does it have wheelie control and slide control and all that stuff? Can I, can I interrupt there slightly? Cause I slightly yeah. disagree with you there, not in the majority of it's just the way you framed it. I actually think. You're totally right. They're much more educated, but that requires the salesperson to have a, even a higher level of knowledge to have authority and bring anything to the discussion. Yes. What you said makes absolute common sense, but in practice has not happened. The, 
the uh, dealerships and the people that are in charge of putting sales staff on these floors. And it could be from Best Buy buying computers to they're just trying to get warm bodies to blow fog on a mirror and, and stand there and take orders. The demand is far outweighed the supply recently, which has made sales extremely easy. But I, I'm actually seeing a, a pretty quick trend around the corner where that's not going to stay that way very long. And training is going to be at the forefront of these companies once again to figure out what do we do with the staff? They've had a lot of turnover, you know, with the stimulus checks and all that stuff. There's a lot of new people in positions at a lot of these retail companies, and they're not prepared to, to actively sell and optimize the relationships mm. they need to have on the floor. Right. <clears throat> We're going to wrap it up now. It's been an interesting discussion, Kirk. How can people find out more about you and what you do in WordPress and in training in general, Kirk? I'm on LinkedIn almost every day. I've really worked hard at growing the LinkedIn network and kind of being a force there. So Kurt Von Onnen on LinkedIn. I'm the only Kurt Von Onnen on there, so that makes it easy. Uh, I went under the name Manana Nomas for a long time and branded that name really well. So Manana Nomas takes you to a really good blog and, and some sample product that I've got. Um, but I've just started recently rebranding myself as WPE Learning under someone else's advice. And that's been interesting to play with, too, to see what kind of audience that kind of new branding brings. So, yeah, I'm out there. Come see me. And on uh, LinkedIn, they got this new thing where they say follow everybody. But I still encourage people to connect. Actually click the link, make the connection, and then we'll do a discovery call, have a quick phone call, and get to know each other. That's great. I'm going to wrap it up. We've got some fantastic guests in the next couple of weeks. And in December, um, in December, we're going to have a little couple of weeks break. But we've got some fantastic guests and I've got some great plans in the new year. Join us next week, folks. We'll see you soon. Bye. Hey, thanks for listening. We really do appreciate it. Why not visit the Mastermind Facebook group? And also to keep up with the latest news, click wp-tonic.com forward slash newsletter. We'll see you next time.